asking or asking if you live around here. Um, we looked at 12 principles of asking. And then we also, last time I did something before the standing on the shoulders of giants business, which was a, an intermission um, in this series, uh, we looked at what kind of things we can ask God for and about. So if there any of that kind of things, oh, right, go back and uh, look on the podcast and uh, get yourself up to speed with those things. Today, I want us to take uh, this um, concept of understanding uh, about prayer and, uh, as a conversation a little deeper. See, right at the very beginning, we established that a conversation with God is talking with him, sharing thoughts, ideas, feelings, and news. They're expressed in exchange, you and him. It's a conversation. And we also established it was best done orally, i.e. spoken, and in person, right? We established that was the best lines of communication. Well, what I want to ask today is, just wants to check that we are, which part of God we are talking to. Which part of God we are talking to. Have you ever been at an event, I seem to be fighting with these symbols this morning. Have you ever been at an event where there is a famous person or a celebrity? They're in the room with you, they're at a place with you. And others might be talking to them, asking them questions, maybe taking selfies with them. You're delighted and really excited to be in this place with this person because they're famous or you, you kind of think they're great or you just kind of want to meet them or see them. And you're there in their presence and you can hear other people's conversations with that person. And after the event, you might relate this, your experience, to people that you know you never guess where I was yesterday and who I saw and you may even relate to those people and tell them about some of the conversation that was had by this famous person they may be led to think well, you're not trying to mislead them but they may think that actually you spoke to that person and it was you that asked those questions when actually you didn't you were only in the presence of that person, hearing what they said and looking what they did. I was, a few years ago now, um, fortunate enough to win an award and go to Downing Street for a reception. The Prime Minister was Gordon Brown at that time. So I went to uh, 10 Downing Street. I was in his house. I climbed up his stairs which incidentally has a picture of all the prime ministers. And as you're wandering up, you're looking at them uh, right to the top. I was in, he said, I even used his toilet. And that was the weird thing. When somebody said, you're going to 10 Downing Street, they said, even if you don't want to go, go to the toilet. I said, really? Yeah, 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 because you can say you've been to toilets in 10 Downing Street. I said, okay, fair enough. Didn't think much of the decor, actually. But anyway, I used his toilet right? I saw him. I was in the same room as him. I heard some of the conversations he was having with other people. I listened as he addressed us all because he gave a little speech, but I didn't speak to him personally. I had my questions and my things I'd like to talk to him about if he did speak to me, but I didn't have that opportunity. I was only in the presence of Gordon Brown. I didn't have a conversation. And we often in church 
use the phrase in God's presence, don't we? Yeah? What does that mean to you? What does that mean to us? Does that mean coming through that door if you're late or coming through this door if you're on time or early? Does that mean actually coming through the door to church, then are we in God's presence? Does that mean joining in the worship? What you said this morning was bang on the nail from what I'm saying today. Does it mean listening to the sermons? Is being in God's presence listening to the sermons? Does it mean being with other Christians in our two, now five-minute mingle? Does it mean praying together? Are all of those things, does any of those things, or do all of those things mean being in God's presence? I guess all of them are correct to some measure or another. But God is everywhere anyway, so we can never be out of his presence. Psalm 139, uh, verse 7. I can never escape from your spirit. I can never get away from your presence. If I go to heaven, you're there. If I go to the place of the dead, you're there. If I ride the wings of the morning, I dwell by the furthest oceans. Even there your hand will guide me. Your strength will support me. I could ask the darkness to hide me and the light around me to become night. But even in darkness, I cannot hide from you. God's presence is everywhere. So when we say we're in his presence, what do we mean by that? I mean, you know, we could say yes on a Sunday, we're in his presence because we make a real conscious effort, A, to get here, and B, to kind of uh, give him more attention and, and room and space to, to do things. We're, put in, we're in a bit more intentional about him and speaking to him and being together in worshiping. But I read something this week that made me sit up and take notice about the presence of God. I was reading uh, John chapter 1, verse 1 and 2. And it says, I think Dave read from it last week, In the beginning, the Word, which is Jesus, in the, word, in the beginning, Jesus already existed. He was with God and he was God. He was in the beginning with God. But I didn't read it in the NLT which I've just read to you. I've been given a new Bible by two of my friends for my birthday. So I was reading it in the Passion Version, right? And this is what verse 2, which in the NLT says, he was, Jesus was in the beginning with God. The Passion Bible said, they, God and Jesus, were together face to face in the very beginning. That smacked me straight between the eyes. God and Jesus were together, face to face, in the very beginning. And then it had a little of those, those letters as a footnote. And if that wasn't bad enough, this is what hit me next. The footnote said that the word together in the Greek, that's what the New Testament's written in, and the Hebrew concept, which is what the Old Testament's written in, the word together in both of those mean, get this, be together and with mean being before God's face. It then went on to say, which I haven't had time to prove, and I'm not a theologian, so I'll let everyone else do that, that there is no Hebrew word for presence in the Old Testament. 
i.e. the presence of God as we read it, because they had to find a word for English to be able to convey what the Hebrew was saying. There isn't a Hebrew word for presence, but we've kind of like taken it and say, well, the closest we can get to is presence. So we understand that. That's good. That'll, that'll help us. Do you know what it, it is really? Being before God's face. Presence of God means being before God's face. There is no Hebrew word for presence, only the word face. Oh, well, perhaps I don't bother you. I mean, I just like, my friends that have bought me the Bible, I'm sorry, I've only, got, I've only read two verses in it. I got stuck at verse two. I'm like, face, presence. Hang on a minute. So when we talk about the presence of God, there is no presence. That we're, we're talking about the face of God. Whoa, wait a minute, I thought. I've got to stop here and look at this. Because we're talking about having a conversation with God. Which part of God? Clue, face, right? God wants you to see, and me to see and look into his face. Not hang around the edges of what we call his presence. Get that. God wants us to look into his, seek and look into his face, not hang around the edges of what we say is his presence. Like, for example, in our worship, right? We should be looking for and into his face, not just enjoying the music or our feelings or our own preferences, how many of you sit there thinking, oh, good, it's that song. That's my, it's my favorite song at the moment. I'm really going to get into this. And then the next one is, oh, I don't really like that so much. I'm just going to hang. Whoa. And you tell me in the worship we are in the presence of God. But you've got an attitude like that towards the songs we sing of worship to God. I dare to suggest we're not worshiping in his face. We're just worshiping according to style preference and whether it's fast enough or slow enough or whatever. Do you know what one of the definitions of the word worship is? And all you worship teams should know this. What is it? To come towards and kiss. That's one of the definitions of worship. And therefore, when we come towards and kiss... Hopefully, okay, people kiss Jesus' feet, etc. But we're coming forward to kiss the face of God in our worship. The presence of God. No, the face of God. Worship, guys, you better wake up. It's not about you. It's about him. And as soon as you look into his face, your grievances, your, oh, this isn't going right, this, I don't feel very well, it's far too hot in here, flipping neck, I'm not going to dance and whatever. As soon as you proper look into his face and you see those eyes of compassion and of paying the highest price for you, because adoration towards you, then you'll start to worship. 
if we look into his face. And what about when we speak into others? We should be looking for and into his face because all people are his children and how we speak to them and how we treat them is important because we can be looking in the face of God in them. Often people can speak to you through other people. So we need to be careful, church, how we relate and speak to one another. We need to be looking for and in the face of God when we relate to one another, we have our fellowship together. And what about when we pray? We should be looking for and into his face. What is he thinking? What's on his mind? What's his will? Not just a list of things for him to do to take care of us today. Thank you, God, if you've got time. How often do we rush in with, God, this has happened. Could you sort this out? Whatever. Bye. We haven't. We just, we just tell you what we're looking at. We're looking at these of God, his hands. We're saying, God, use your hands and fix this, will you? You know, move here. Use your feet and move there and sort that out. And God's like, I will, but do you know what's the most important bit about me? My face. Because when you see the face of God, you understand the nature of God and who he is. You understand that he's more powerful than you. He knows better than you. So if the circumstances need changing for your good, he is quite capable of doing it. And therefore, you worship him for who he is and say, well, you know, my life is in you. Whatever comes my way, I've got you. What does it matter? You get a perspective change because you're looking into the face of God. And what about when we hear a sermon or we read our Bibles or we search out truth from books or podcasts, etc.? We should be looking for and into his face what he is personally trying to say to us, not just for our information, not just for our equipping or our knowledging to know more. Whenever we look into any other truth about God, we should be looking for his face about him. It's not how much Bible you know and people don't. It's not about whether you've got the the latest theology or even the latest worship song. It's not about that. It's about his face and him and what he is trying to say to us personally. You see, I reckon, I don't know about you, but I think the face is really important. You? You think face is important? Faces are so much more personal, intimate, and life-giving. Say, for example, I don't have a face. And it's impossible not to have a Well, anyway. So all, the, all you relate to is my hands, my legs, and my feet. It's not very personal, is it? I mean, my feet are pretty distinctive. I can pick up things with my, my toes. But it doesn't really say much about me. It's not my character. It's my feet. Face. Face is personal, intimate, and life-giving. For example, hold it, but get ready. My two grandsons, they live in Manchester. I miss them terribly. I don't get to see them often enough. But I can talk to them on the phone. Isn't the phone great? I don't have to go to a red box anymore to do it. I've got a mobile one in my pocket. I can talk to them. It's fantastic. Those of you who don't know about red boxes, some of you looking at what? We used to have to go to a phone box and put two peas, two peas and ten peas in the box to talk to someone. Ridiculous. Anyway, um, I, don't, I can pick up my phone and I can talk to them. I can even see pictures of them, right? Uh, and I can picture their face in their mind as I'm talking to them. 
But it's not the same. It's just not the same as seeing their face. And I don't know about you, but have you ever listened to the radio and you kind of, you've never seen the person that's, that this is the voice of that you're listening to? And you kind of build up a picture of what their face looks like, right? And you don't go actively seeking it, but I remember, I won't say who it is because whatever, but anyway, there's this person I'm thinking, oh, you look like this. And I could, you know, your voice, you know, I had the age sorted out. I had what they were, it was a man. And when I saw a picture, I can tell you, I was devastated. I'm like, what? What? Shall I tell you who it is? The Reverend Richard Coles. He does Saturday mornings. What is it called? I forget what it's called. Saturday Live, isn't it? And his voice, I'm, I had a picture of it. And then, and then I, because he's, you know, he's on a lot of television, and I'm like, are you serious? I was just, that was just not the picture I had in my mind. Because I can hear his voice, and I could, but as soon as I saw his face, I'm like, oh, okay. It's important to see faces. And you can say, well, Judith, okay, technology's moved on. With your grandsons, you can FaceTime. I know I can FaceTime. Um, and, and I can, but it's still not the same. In fact, they FaceTime me now. Bless them. Daddy? Nana, FaceTime. Okay, that's good, then let's do it. And I can see them live, but it's still not really quite the same as being face-to-face with these people. I love these faces. That's a blank face. <laughs> Let me know when it's up there. I'll tell you when it. I know when it's up there. I love these faces. And there is nothing that can come close to being in front of, I'm getting emotional now, their face. Because I can take their little faces and I can cup them in my hands. I can pick their little cheeks. I can on their noses and I can give them a big because I'm in front of their face. FaceTime is not like that. I need to be able to see. So it was great. I need like to be before their faces as it says in John 1, being before their face. So it was great to drop in for two nights on the way back from our Scottish holiday to spend some time and be with those two Gorgeous little faces. When I was on holiday, we had no Wi-Fi, so I couldn't even FaceTime. And because I, they live in Manchester, and my granddaughter who runs around here, she lives local, so I get to see her a lot more. So I was having withdrawal symptoms. I've not seen her little face. I knew I was going to see those two little faces very soon, but I have withdrawal symptoms, missing a little face. Can we put that up? This little face. That's what I was missing. I was, I found myself on my phone flicking up videos and photos of her and, and ones that had a little voice saying, da! You know, and I was like, oh, I need to see that little face. And then I'm thinking, I'm away for two weeks. I hope she remembers me when I get back. I'm like, oh. I had a massive desire to see her precious little face. Photos weren't enough. I wanted to be 
before her face and to give her a massive big kiss. Please take those away because everyone will be distracted by them now. Let me tell you that God feels exactly the same way about you. About you. He loves seeing the things we do, how we're growing. He likes having conversations with us, but he wants to see our faces turn towards him. He wants to look into our face and have us look at his face. You seeing a face, um, seeing fa- a face is really important to God. So much so, and I love this fact, that he built it into our human design. Did you know that a distance a newborn baby can see is exactly the distance between it and its mother's face when it's feeding at her breast? If that's not a design feature, I don't know what is because that baby can look up and be getting nourishment and looking at that face as the mother is looking down and it's the face is imprinting onto that child. That's where the bonding and relationship starts. That distance there, God built it in. As soon as you're born, you want to see a face. You want to see your mum's face. Right, there it is. You can focus on that. It's amazing. Now, back in the Old Testament... Um, It talks about God's face. And uh, let me just say about the negative thing about God's face. It says that if he told his children of Israel, his chosen people, that if they continued to do wrong and worship idols and do all sorts of ridiculous behavior, then he would have to punish them. And do you know what it says, the phrase that he uses? I will turn my face against you. I'm not calling God two-faced, right? But I'm saying he has character. And he has character. He's a holy character, right? He's a father. He's not going to tolerate stuff in our lives that are going to hurt us. He's going to have to sort it out. So there is a face. And when you say that God says, if you continue that behavior, I'm going to turn my face towards you, it doesn't mean he's going, I make a horrible, for the podcast, that was me making a horrible face. He's not talking about that. He's t- when that word face, that word face means the whole of God and who he, he is. So if you are children of Israel, if you're going to worship those idols instead of me, there are consequences. There are consequences because I am turning my face against you. I am the whole weight of me. My holiness, my love for you, my grace for you is coming to you because you've got to stop that. But secondly, in the Old Testament, God's chosen people, he gave the opportunity. You you go back and read it, Exodus mainly. He gave the opportunity to the children of Israel when they came out of Egypt to meet God face to face. They said, "Uh uh-uh, you bunch of idiots. What are you what? God's saying, come and meet me face to face. And they went, oh, oh, no, 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 no. i tell you what we'll do. Moses, you're a good bloke. You go and meet God face to face. You have a chat about things. Then you come back and you tell us what God says. And then we'll tell you what we're saying to God. And you go and meet him face to face. And this will continue. But don't you want to meet God face to face? Moses said, no, 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 we don't, we don't, we don't, we don't. 
Because the, re the reason, there's lots of reasons why they didn't want to, but I think the most reason was fear, because they knew that was in their hearts. They knew that, that they were sinful, they were doing things wrong, they weren't living as God told them, and they were fearful of a God on a mountain coming thundering and lightning, and they're going like, hey, we're not going anywhere near that, thanks. But Moses did. There were a few people that chose to take up that offer to meet God face to face. Abraham, Moses, and Joshua for three. And look what a life-giving relationship they had with God as a result of meeting him face to face. And look what they achieved in their lives because they met God face to face and had that life as a result. Faces are so life-giving. <laughs> Faces are so life-giving that God put on a face for us in human form. He's like, right, the new covenant's coming. I've got to get an opportunity to meet these people face to face. So I'm going to send my son in human form. He is going to have a face. He's going to be our presence. He's, his whole, the whole of me is going to be in him. Listen to these scriptures. 2 Corinthians 4 verse 6 tells us that God has shown us himself as we gaze into the face of Jesus Christ. Hebrews 1 verse 3 says, The Son, Jesus, is the dazzling radiance of God's splendor, the exact expression of God's true nature, his mirror image. Jesus came for God to say, Look at me. You can see me now. Physically, you can see me. You can see what I'm doing. You can see my nature. All that I am is wrapped up in my son. It's all crammed into one human body because I love you so much. I've got to get rid of the sin that keeps us from talking face to face because that's where I want to be with you, face to face. Not going through some religious stuff where you have to kill this and shed the blood of that to get your sins forgiven. God put on a face. He took on human flesh. Wow. He wanted to be seen and known. He wants us to come before his face. I've been challenged to make sure that I'm looking for, seeking out and spending time looking for and into God's face and not, be, not settling for being in the same room or hearing stories from other people, but rather getting up close and personal to God to look into his face, which means being with him together, face to face. There is nothing better. Looking into his face is so life-giving. You see, I can be reading the Bible or praying, good things to do, but I can't be doing those things without looking into his face. Or is that only me? Right? I can be doing it as a tick list. I ought to read my Bible today. <laughs> Done it. Or fitting it in quickly. God, I've not got a lot of time today, so, you know, can you just bless this, sort that out, and do whatever? That is not looking into his face. Yes, I could say I've been in his presence, what we call presence. I've clocked in. I've used his name. I might be looking at his feet or his hands, but I'm not looking at his face. I can be in the same room as him. I can be reading from the same book as him as I read my Bible. <laughs> I could be having a conversation with him, but I haven't really looked into his face. I am missing out. How much are we missing out? 
if his presence really means being before God's face, then I haven't really been in his presence unless I look into his face. So when we talk about spending time with God, we should really be setting out to look for and into God's face and let him look into ours. But please, you really will wind me up if you do this. Don't go and find a painting or a picture of the face of Jesus. Right? Because nobody drew it, looked at it, and got it right. I cannot stand, you won't find a picture of the face, unless it's in a child's Bible storybook, of a picture of Jesus' face in my house. Because I don't want in my head what someone else thinks he looks like. I want to see him face to face. And when you say that, you say, oh, well, we'll draw it then. No, 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 I'm not talking about physical face-to-face. I'm talking about face-to-face, relational face-to-face, to kind of find out how great and awesome he is and how much he loves me and, how, and, and, think, and, and absorb all of that. That's, I don't want to be having any image of a fake, <laughs> fake Jesus face in my sights. And all the clowns amongst you that are going to go and buy every bit of tat there is possible, don't waste your money because it will go straight in the bin. I will not tolerate a face of Jesus in my house, okay? And, but some people do. They put it up there and they pray to that. Oh, come on. That's not the face of God. Find and seek the face of God for yourself. I know there's no physical image for us to look at, but what I'm talking about is being real, personal, and intimate with God, wanting to know who he is and spending time with him, not interested in what he can do for you, so we're seeking his face and not his hands and his feet. Seeking his face will result in our hearts being engaged with God at a much deeper level. Let me just repeat that. Seeking his face will result in our hearts engaging with God at a deeper level. And I know for some people, that's why they don't do it. Because they don't want to deal with the emotions that that will stir up. And I say to you, you've got to look into the face of God, some of you, for your healing. For your reasons why for the backdrop to your life, for the stuff that you've gone through, the questions you, you want answering, you have to look into the face of God. Stop sending him emails and texts and putting up a little banner of protest because it's not how it should be or you've not, you've not explained that to me. Get into the face of God. And going back to my grandkids, I, I, I love watching the way Andrew and Karis and Soon Rachel will have to because Marla's getting, a, you know, a little character all of her own. I love how they discipline their kids. So if Ethan's done something wrong or he's not sharing or whatever, right, they'll say, Ethan? And his, his face is like this. Ethan? His still face is like this. You won't look at him. So to, just to make sure he's actually listening and understanding, they say to him, Ethan... Look at mummy or daddy's face. Look at me. So they wait for the gaze to go from his floor to their face. 
And then when they fixed his eyes on them, then they start to talk to him. And if he should drop his face to the floor again, they're Ethan, look at me. Because in that moment of face-to-face, eye-to-eye contact, they're conveying what they want to say, like, no, that's not very nice, not sharing. But also they can convey, at the time of discipline, how much they actually love him. You know, they're, he knows that they've got his, he knows they've got their best interests at heart. They, he knows that they love him. They want a face-to-face encounter to do some of that disciplining, to reinforce their relationship and to say, now that's not kind. So will you kindly go and give that toy back to Jesse that you took off him and say sorry? Now, we may have to do that two or three times, but they will make him do that of his own accord, not like... You've seen parents just grab a child by its hand and go, Ring, you give that back. I mean, whoa, hang on a minute. I'm going, I, I suggest that's quite not the way you should do it because the child's going to grow up like that. No, you have to reason with the child if you can. You have to communicate face-to-face in a loving manner. That's out of relationship. And I know there are some people that you do not want to look God in the face because you do not want to face some of the stuff you know he wants to talk about, or he doesn't, actually, for some of you, he won't even have to utter a word, just seeing his face and his eyes and his love for you, that hurt in your life is going to come up to the surface and probably result in a few tears. And some of you are avoiding the face of God because you don't want to get emotional. You don't want to cry. You do, I, I, can, I can lock it away. I've heard people say to me, do you think I, can, I can lock it away. Oh, all the best with that, pal. Never worked for me. You know, you can't lock it away. Well, you can't lock it away and live your life undamaged and restricted. No, God... He's saying to some people today, he's getting his little finger under your chin and saying, come on, stop looking at that. Look at me square in the eyes because I, w- I want to say some real good stuff to you. And some of you don't want to do that because you're frightened of what God's going to say to you. He's going to tell you off. He's going he's to call your names. He's going to tell you how rubbish you are. That's not the God in my book. Jesus has paid the price, so he doesn't have to do all of that. All he needs to know is that you love him and that you want forgiveness and you want to live differently and you want this hurt in your life to be dealt with because he's paid the price to be dealt with. Just look into his face and you will see those things work out. God's grace, God's face is full of love and of grace. And I'm going to close by well, making one more point and I'll read you some scriptures. Jenny actually mentioned it in, um, in the prayer meeting beforehand. She was on about um, Psalm 23. God prepares a table in the presence of my enemies. And then it suddenly struck me. We heard a very good sermon on that at AOG conference, didn't we? Was it? Cherish? Oh, I don't know where I am. At Cherish, right? And then it suddenly struck me. If there is no word for presence, let's, re- let's, let's work this in the right version, Okay. God has prepared for me a table in the face of my enemies. He can prepare a table in the presence. In our mind, oh yeah, well, kind of over here and out the way, you know. We're having a little party over there, but your enemies don't really know anything about it. Rubbish. 
It's just face off. It's like saying to the enemy, see, my, see, see my, that's, that's my daughter, that is not, I'm preparing all this food, see, right in your face. Just a little thought. Anyway, I'm going to close by reading these scriptures to you. Numbers 6, verse 24 to 26. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. Face means everything about God. 1 Chronicles 16, 11. Look to the Lord and his strength and seek his face always. Psalm 27, verse 8, Lord, when you said to me, seek my face, my inner being responded, I'm seeking your face with all my heart. And Psalm 105, 4 says, seek more of his strength, seek more of him. Let's always be seeking the light of his face. Let's challenge ourselves together as a church, as individuals for a start, to seek God's face. Together and with means seeking his face and get before his life-giving face. That's where God wants us to be. That's where true life is.